Are you an enthusiastic wine drinker but sweat uncontrollably over a restaurant list from Albarino to Zweigelt? Set aside your fears, relax, and start enjoying wine without worry. Here's your host, Jameson Fink. You may remember my friend Richard Duval, great photographer and human being and enthusiastic pizza maker. Uh, we spoke about some tips about how to take the best photographs in wine country while we were uh, perusing his selection at uh, Barrage Cellars in Woodenville at their tasting room there. And so here's a little more chit-chat about one really astonishing image of capturing the harvest moon at dawn overlooking uh, Sage Moore Vineyards. And also Richard has a couple tips about how you can use the, um, the actual vineyard rows to uh, think about composition and getting that perfect shot. So here is Richard and I talking about uh, when everything comes together in wine country photography. Most photographers can say there's there's a handful of images that, that they go back to in their career and say, I, I, everything came together. This one is, is so indicative of what I'm after. Uh, and I'm very proud of Harvest Moon over uh, this vineyard, which is the Sagemore Vineyard in, uh, in Pasco, one of the great sourcing vineyards in the state, which you know very, very well. And um, what I have on this image was lucky enough to capture was the Harvest Moon at dawn which is difficult to capture because as the sun is coming up uh, behind you and you're shooting the moon in front of you, you've got about a five minute window before the sunlight uh-huh. obliterates all the details from the moon's surface. Yeah. So, uh, and then all you have is this little orb and everybody thinks it's, it's the rising sun when it isn't. Huh. So on this one, I shot, shot, I set it up because I happened to be there the day before with Kent Walzier and he and I were, were wandering around because I get to shoot this vineyard quite often. And uh, I said to him, Kent, you know, we're going to have another harvest moon. Uh, he said, yeah, we ought to think about how we can capture that. So Ken and I kind of scouted out this this location. Right. I knew what I was looking for in terms of the vineyard that would lead me into it. And so you see the vineyard goes down, you see a little bit of the Columbia River, and then behind it you see Rattlesnake Hills, and then just above Rattlesnake Hills is a full moon. Uh, and it's, all, it's quite, quite striking. Um, but again, this is a good example of looking ahead, finding your spot, and then going back the next morning about 5 a.m., setting up with the tripod, getting the camera in position, and then as soon as the light hit it, I started shooting. I had about 10 minutes, maybe 15 total, to get this. And then I was able to take three exposure images against the HDR technique and put it together. And this has become, you know, one of my most popular images. Uh, this one is uh, uh, shows up in a lot of people's walls. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and what's interesting about it too is you, uh, the vineyards are like going like it, the way the vineyards are in the foreground in the bottom of the photo, just sort of like they're moving back. They're like sort of like leading your eye back and sort of so it's almost like like a roller coaster where you're like going down, going through, then you go up and finish at the Rattlesnake Hills in the Harvest Moon. And that's actually a very good point when we talked earlier about composition. Another thing that you can do when you're shooting, particularly with vineyards, is use the, the rose as leading lines to take mm-hmm. your eye into something. So shoot the vineyard in the foreground, but find something at the end of that line that you want to focus on. And those vineyards now, the rose or the vines, actually become leading lines into your eye. And that's what makes a strong composition. You're always trying to get the viewer into your picture and so you want to literally lead them in and the the 
way that the vineyards, the, meta, uh, the, the precision of the vineyards, the minute precision of the vineyards is a wonderful uh, tool to use to bring people into your picture. And this one, as you pointed out, really works well because the vineyards just almost align directly yeah. to the moon. Yeah, very I'm, cool. I'm very, very proud of that particular image. If I was to quit shooting tomorrow, uh -huh. I'd feel pretty good that I at least got that one. That's in, your, that's in the Hall of Fame. That's in my Hall of yeah. Fame. Awesome. <laughs> or my Wall of Fame. Wall of fame. <laughs> You're listening to Wine Without Worry with Jameson Fink. Wine pick of the week time, everyone. And what's nice about this pick is that I'm not talking about something that's a distant memory or a bottle that I enjoyed in the days of yore or Oceanside years ago or uh, from a convenience store that I took out of the cooler at 1.59 a.m. before liquor sales cut off. No, this is much different than that. It's something I'm enjoying right now in the present, as I will drink right now. It's delicious. It is the 2013 Fossil and Fawn Pinot Gris from Oregon. Fossil and Fawn is a tiny, micro, nano, whatever you want to call it type of winery. They just find a corner of a winery and they say, hey, can we make our wine here? And these people are like, yeah, sure, of course you can, because we're cool and we believe a rising tide lifts all boats and we support the wine industry. So what's cool about this wine is a lot of Pinot Gris from Oregon can be kind of meh, like I don't love it, I don't hate it. It's just kind of there, uh, nondescript. And uh, this one's super cool. The, the coolest thing that you'll notice about it is the color. The color is truly astonishing because it's red. Not like red, like a red wine is actually more purple, but red, red, like candy apple red, fire engine red. And even though it's made from uh, Pinot Gris, which is a, a white wine grape, it has uh, the skins give it a, a real color when you let the juice hang out with them for a long time. And in this case, it, the um, skins hung out with the grapes so long that it gave it a really vivid red color. It's really pretty. It's delicious to drink. It's dry. It's refreshing. It has, I would say... Um, just a little more kind of texture to it from, I think, that skin contact. So not just color is astonishing, but it also has a uh, great, um, ugh, I don't want to say mouthfeel. That sounds so sordid, but uh, it's just, uh, I'll say texture. I think texture sounds much more professional and, and wine personly. So um, they also make a great Pinot Noir that I've had, uh, the 2012. But really, um, I would just go to fossilandfawn.com. I think they're Fossil and Fawn all over everything, uh, the Instagrams and whatnot. So uh, follow them and seek out their wines. They don't make a lot of it, but what they do make is really excellent, and you should drink it with zest and pleasure. Fossil and Fawn, Pinot Gris from Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> 